Theology can be a very effective way to avoid meeting God. Jesus keeps wanting to talk to her about her life, and she keeps wanting to shift the conversation to points of theoretical theology. Where should we worship, on the mountain or here? Jesus wants to talk to her about her life. You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, on a morning like this, when our sanctuary is so empty by comparison to what it normally is, when there are so many with more fear than they would normally have on a spring morning in March, when leaders need to make such difficult decisions, there are so many prayers to offer. But the prayer we offer now, Lord, is that you would focus our hearts and our minds upon your word. For in you is that well that springs up to eternal life. And you alone have the words of eternal life, as Peter said. Bless us and strengthen us that we, by your word, may be transformed and grow more into the image of him who came to save us, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, these are the kind of mornings that pastors change their sermons. I had a sermon all prepared because we've spent the last few days in Washington, D.C. for my sister-in-law's memorial services down there. And so I had everything written on Wednesday. And it's amazing how different the world is Sunday morning than it was Wednesday. Um, This reminds me of when I had to lead worship when Hurricane Katrina blew up the coast a couple of years ago. And it came on a Saturday night. And we couldn't cancel church. So I knew I had to show up. And it was me and five people. And I said, well, what do you, what do you preach on a day like that? <laughs> um, so the question is, why are we here? Because that's the question for us every morning. Why do we get out of bed early when everyone else is sleeping in? Or dress ourselves up and come to a building and sit in not the most comfortable seats... <laughs> when everyone else is getting ready to go fishing or skiing or whatever the season entails. Why do we come here? We don't, I hope, come here for entertainment. The church is not nearly as capable of entertaining you as Hollywood is or Nashville is or Los Angeles in general is. They've got better production facilities and, you know, the... The professional choirs sound better than any congregation out there. (laughs) We don't come, I hope, just for a Bible study. To gather a few facts about God that we can add to our storehouse of facts that we know. Um, Because indeed, as the woman in today's story from the Gospel shows us, 
Theology can be a very effective way to avoid meeting God. Jesus keeps wanting to talk to her about her life, and she keeps wanting to shift the conversation to points of theoretical theology. Where should we worship, on the mountain or here? Jesus wants to talk to her about her life. As good as facts about God are, they're only half of the story. We come here, I hope, to meet Jesus Christ. Hidden under the words of Scripture, hidden in the bread and the wine, hidden in the waters of baptism, hidden even when the sermon is faithful in the words of a poor preacher. God has promised us that through the power of the Holy Spirit, the historic words of Jesus are addressed to us and can pierce our hearts, can lift us out of our self-centeredness and open us up to communion with the living God and through that true communion with each other. Yesterday, as we were driving back, and I was reflecting on my sermon, I actually had the sermon I had pre-prepared laid out on the dashboard in front of me as I was driving, so I could look over and see if I was remembering it correctly. And um, my wife was just pulling up things, and she pulled up a CNN article that I thought was irresponsible at best. The opening line of it was, American deaths rise from the coronavirus by 529%. To 38 people. Do you know how many people died of influenza in the United States as of Friday? Over 22,000. An article like that is meant to do nothing but help us tune back in more quickly to that news channel and cause a panic. But we are called to bear with one another in our weaknesses. One of the reasons we gather as the Church of Jesus Christ and don't just watch tele-evangelists is that it's really hard to love your neighbor if you don't know them. You can't support one another without knowing one another, without gathering shoulder to shoulder. To stand before God, to be addressed by Jesus. And to have your notion of who God cares for expanded. This is who, and this is what we see happening to the disciples this morning. They also want to talk theoretical theology. They don't have the courage to do it. I give the the woman more credit. At least she talks to Jesus. They're thinking to themselves, why is he talking to a woman? Let alone a Samaritan. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. If they had the guts, they'd call him out on it. But they don't even do that. Jesus is demonstrating for them who He cares about, who God cares about. And it's much bigger than just the family of the Jews, although salvation does come through the Jews, as Jesus affirms. God's care expands to all people through Jesus. In the same way, we come to have our closed-up hearts opened up to whom God is caring about on this day. And while we know theoretically that God cares about everybody, it's much 
the rubber hits the road, I guess, a little more re- in a little more real way when we are forced to embrace on a normal Sunday at the sign of the peace the person who we just had a knockdown drag out with at council or who just took our parking spot outside or sat in our seat in the pew that we've sat in since grandmother sat there 53 years ago. All those things make our shut-up hearts open to one another. So we come to support one another in love. But mostly we come to be addressed by the living God. The words of Jesus, these historic words of Jesus, in this morning's case to his disciples, to a Samaritan woman coming to get water, a simple daily activity, through the power of the Holy Spirit, these words become addressed to us, and we hear them addressed to us. And our hearts open even further. We find ourselves in an encounter with Jesus and a conversation with Jesus that gets very personal if we allow it to. Yesterday morning, before going to my sister-in-law's memorial service, um, the dean of our mission region sent out a letter that he wanted to send by dinner time, so he asked all of us deans to edit it. I'm not going to read it. Our dean, if you haven't guessed, he's been here to visit. He's not good at short letters. Brevity is not the soul of wit for him, so it was three pages, single-space typed. But the part of the letter I thought was most powerful was when it got personal. And I'm going to read that little section to you this morning. It's a letter addressed first and foremost to the pastors. And he reminds us to be personal. He says to us, care for your families. Be sensitive to their concern for you as a pastor, carrying out your duties under stress and perhaps less than optimal circumstances especially your children for whom this all may be quite scary. Who of them remembers school being closed because someone might get sick? We are modeling for our young how a follower of Jesus acts in troubled times, relying on God's power, avoiding needless fear and anxiety as we lead on Him, caring for each other with some peril perhaps, and using the blessed gifts of good sense, medical advances, and good community practice to safeguard all. But a word about humility. This is a humbling experience in so many ways. And indeed, we may be humbled by the gift of this virus. Strange, I know. This week, I had to cancel my Saturday planned trip to Emmanuel Lutheran Church in State College to install their new pastor. In fact, I'll tell you because I served there for a little while. This is their first permanent pastor, full-time pastor, Logan Wilmoth. Not wanting to stay in a hotel at this time since I am facing that twice-canceled surgery in two weeks and now have new heart issues, the risk was unacceptable. My plan was to go to our kids' place on Friday night and drive from there Saturday as well as return there Saturday evening, breaking up the five-hour drive each way. That is, until our son called to say I should not come because my granddaughter's school had just shut down because a student was exposed and showing some symptoms. The district is not telling other parents anything about the affected student's contacts. 
So we don't know if his grandchildren, Chase or Dakota, have been exposed. After speaking to Logan and the congregation president, I was under my house doing some mindless work on a mild winter day with plenty of time for reflection and prayer. I was sad, annoyed, you might even say, that I had to cancel, and I told God so. I don't surrender easily. I don't like to say uncle. Never did as a kid. I despise being dependent. Yet I am now, by age and medical condition, one of those vulnerables, and I don't like it. I told him. Is this it? My once productive ministry now to be diluted or diminished by every bug or medical warning that comes down the pike? Truth is, my pride and self-reliance were mostly wounded. And Jesus told me so as he moved me to humble acceptance. On the gift side, this virus experience has the potential to bring us, to bring me, back to his cross, where I cling when my resources, performance, or ability fails, even because of age. It is humbling to be less in control of my everyday life, but I felt his movement deep inside, reminding that it was not primarily my presence in State College that was vital, but his presence. Yes, I had anticipated with joy being one of the means of proclaiming and highlighting Jesus' presence on that blessed occasion. Now someone else would take that blessing on, this time, in the person of Mission District Dean Steve Shipman. I felt my patient Lord tell me to be patient and that I would still be used differently than when I was younger and stronger, but nonetheless effectively. He nudged me toward humble patience to his will and his way. When the address of Christ becomes personal, when he calls us out on our personal habits and experiences as he does the woman at the well, or challenges our long-held assumptions about the nature of who he is, who he cares for, and how he cares for us, as he did the disciples. When we are turned out from ourselves, first to him and then to our neighbors, what we discover most importantly of all, and we need to discover it again and again because we we like to forget it, is our utter dependence on God. One of the reasons why Christians have been able, in past epidemics, and there have been past epidemics, the Black Plague in the 13th century killed a third of the population of Europe. What has allowed Christians to be calm in those moments is not the sense that we could protect ourselves from everything, but rather the knowledge that everything that I call mine is not really mine. That my life, my property, my loves, my time, that word my is a useful fiction. It all really belongs to God. And at any moment, as Jesus' parables make painfully clear, at any moment, they could be demanded of me. And I could need to surrender them 
and give an accounting for them. My sins are forgiven through Christ, and yet my stewardship of all those things I just named is required by Him that I might be a sign of His love to this world. In the plagues that struck the Roman Empire, they would quarantine sections of the city and simply allow the people to die. They didn't know about rats with fleas on them and fleas carrying microbes that caused the plague. They would simply shut the city down and let people die. The only people who went into those sections of the city were the Christians to care for the sick, to tend their wounds, to tend what was usually the end of their life. It's not because the Christians had special protection. They simply had encountered the living God who told them that your life is in my hands. So use it for my purposes. Love me and love each other. We have a role to play still in this world to be not anxious, but to show his love. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, as we come before you, we ask that all our anxieties be quelled by the knowledge that you hold our lives in your hand. We thank you that you have forgiven our sins through the blood of your precious Son, who bore not only our sins, but also our infirmities in his body. So when we encounter them in this life, we know he is with us, even when our health situation is desperate. Bless and be with us as we receive your word this day, that we may go forward from this place to without undue anxiety, but as good stewards caring for the health of ourselves and our neighbors, care for one another. Use us to leaven the whole loaf, Lord. Help us to be a sign to our neighbors, to let us simmer down the whole anxious presence that seems to be part of our country this day, to serve one another in love. Make us creative in that, Lord, that we may see the needs of others and rush to meet them. And these things we ask through the precious, precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life